Welcome to Now the Cloud, a fun and engaging podcast about all things IT, especially those technologies that, love it or hate it, are Now the Cloud. Our hosts are the larger-than-life folks from Steadfast, who have spent the past 20-plus years building and hosting managed IT infrastructures and cloud services for companies of all sizes. Turn the volume up, kick back, and let's talk tech. In this episode, the team discusses big metal components, such as IBM AS400s, including why they are so prevalent today, and the steps that users should be taking to protect these assets moving forward. Welcome back, everyone, to Now the Cloud, the uh, podcast of Steadfast. And uh, today we are going to be talking about big metal. So let's just, uh, before we get started, let's go around the room and uh, say hi to everybody. Hey, Tim, how's th- how are things going? Good, Rich. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. So Tim Miner, Vice President of Marketing and BizDev. Uh, once again, looking forward to yet another lively uh, conversation with the crew here. Right on. Hey, Josh, how are things? Good, Rich. Josh Simmons, sales development representative here at Steadfast, here to represent the youth. Battle Ed, that's our thing. Oh boy, here we go. Battle Sounds Ed. spicy. Sounds <laughs> spicy. Yeah. Hey, Ed, how are things with you? Uh, great, Rich. How are you doing? Um, I'm Ed Dreyer, senior technology strategist here at Steadfast. I'm the old guy, apparently. Um, Josh represents the millennial youth, and I'm more of the Gen X type. So he can uh, he can have his youth and exuberance. I'll take my wisdom and money any day. <laughs> to be fair, I'm older than both of you, so I take offense to everything. <laughs> okay, Boomer. No one's old. <laughs> Gen X. Thank you very much. Hi, Colleen. How are things with you? <laughs> I'm still laughing at the boomer comment towards Moner. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> I am Gen X. Thank you very I'm, much. I'm Gen X as well. So we got the Gen Xers uh, ganging up on Josh I'm here probably a little bit later. But uh, Colleen sure. Johnson, Marketing Director here at Steadfast. Thanks for having me. Great. Thanks for being here. Hey, James. Hey, Rich. Uh, I, I'll introduce myself as Gen X. Uh, actually, my name is James Webb. I'm, I'm CEO here at Steadfast. <laughs> Happy to be uh, part of the part of the talk today. We're just getting nervous now, man. (laughs) (laughs) We're just getting warmed up, Josh. Watch out. It should be you picked on us. (laughs) Three X's. That's right. So my my name is Rich Cruz and I'm your host today. Um, So, again, we're going to talk about big metal. And, uh, you know, if you guys could just uh, take a second here and explain to us, what does that mean to somebody who doesn't know? So I'll take this one before James can pass it off to me. Um, so big metal is a is a term that us IT guys wow. use to describe. Yep, uh, is what we use to describe the old school server mainframe systems, IBM uh, i series, AS four hundred, HP UX, um, all those old systems that were big and popular in the late 80s and early 90s and are still around today. Um, While most of the world thinks about computers in the context of like Intel, AMD, um, and Windows-based systems, there's an entire fleet of these mainframe old school systems that that run pretty much in a small, medium business that's over 20 years old. 20 years old. Oh yeah. As as a matter of fact, um, Ed, 
100,000 systems that are out there right now, right? So it's it's amazing when you think of that. There's this whole, uh, you know, uh, these operating systems and these these boxes that are running, and they run they actually run the operations. Um, you know, they they are the ERP for a lot of large corporations. Um, so large banks, large hospitals, um, you know, places like C- CVS, uh, UPS, uh, all run off of uh, uh, this these big metal uh, um, uh, this big metal infrastructure. So 20 years, 100,000 units still out there. After all these years and all this technology that we have and, you know, the speed that we keep hearing of, of technology, you know, um, surpassing itself, right? Who's still using these? I mean, you already mentioned a couple of players out there, but and, and why are they still using them? And I think it's fair to say, Rich, this is more than 20 years, right? I mean, this goes back to like 83 in mid 80s. Oh, yeah, sure. 80, earlier 83 in, in 86. Yeah, where the, where the, uh, the AS36 systems, I think. Back yeah, back to the original mainframes that, that ran the war games, right? In the movie, who's, by the way, the computer's name was Joshua, by the way. No, uh, the, computer, the computer's uh, name was Whopper. The software was Joshua. Joshua. Yeah. All right. Good job, Jenna. Look at the, yeah. <laughs> we send a picture to Josh so he knows what we're talking about. It'd be great. It's by the way, games. I think it's on Netflix. <laughs> I'm Joshua. Most, of, this, I'm most of these technologies are older than Josh. I mean, that's not saying much, but, you know. <laughs> so going back to the question of why are these systems still in place? And the, the word is momentum. They were really great at doing specific tasks way back when they were installed. And as time went by, companies were just comfortable with how they performed. So when the hardware started to go go bad, they replaced it with more of the hardware, copied the data over and kept going. As time time went by, things got more and more complicated to try to move away from them because people had become so dependent on the systems functioning the way that they did um, that you know, they never needed to change it. And that's kind of the story of any organization. No one really does anything to take care of the wheel that doesn't squeak. And these systems were designed to not squeak. So as a, as a non-squeaky system, um, should people be considering a migration to something that's more modern? They don't necessarily need to consider moving to something more modern. They do, however, need to do an assessment of how important these systems are and find out where they are and how to best protect them and make them useful. Sometimes that could be as much as you know phasing them out, but usually because of the cost and time involved, and most organizations don't have either, um, they continue to upgrade it. What they want to do is they want to get the best possible performance and uptime out of them that they can. And so if they're, if they're not, if you're, maybe if they're not migrating, um, is there, is there like a hybrid solution that somebody could use and what, and if so, like, what does that look like? So the other interesting part about these systems is they're nearly impossible to virtualize. Um, so they, they break every rule that everybody's been following in the past 10 years, which was virtualize it, put it on a system pump it to the cloud or run it locally, um, and then manage it as part of your, your your entire VM infrastructure. That can't be done with these. So what's been happening is organizations have been upgrading their other technologies, bringing up, you know, they, they went from Novell to Windows, from Windows, you know, NT up to Win2K, up to Server 2012 and 2019, so on and so forth. All of their other systems have embraced brand new utilization of technology, um, and these systems have stayed static. So what they do need to do is they need to make sure those, that interconnectivity stays functional as long as possible. 
And Rich, I'm going to throw Josh a bone. Josh, you have some experience in this uh, as well, right? Even even in the small time that you've been uh, working in the IT space, you had some firsthand experience on the AS400s? Well, that's right, Tim. When I was uh, 18, approximately six years ago, I was an IT technician at a pharmaceutical company, and I had to maintain an IBM i-series computer that had been running for at least 10 years. All it did every day is take out the backup tapes, put in a new one, and it just ran. Uh, but we we definitely had trouble moving off of that system. My boss is always talking about it because in order to change our reports, if we wanted to move one column to the other side of the report, it cost us like $700 because some very experienced RPG programmer was difficult to find. I mean, really, there were only a few and they charged uh, a buttload. So that was one problem we had, but we, it just worked. It, it managed our entire inventory and had a sales portal connected to it and it just worked. So ultimately he wasn't about to spend a hundred thousand dollars to change something that worked forever and was going to keep working. I think the interesting thing that Josh mentioned right there uh, was it had a sales portal. And this is where you, this is where it kind of comes into the, the the big metal interacting with other systems. Sure. The system itself, the the IBM, the the AS400, the iSeries didn't run that portal. There was a Windows front end on top of it or a Linux front end that was running Apache or IIS or things like that. And that server was presenting the data to the user and it was connecting on the other side to the the mainframe. So what's been happening is this entire ecology grows around the mainframe and it's critical that all these systems stay together um, for speed, performance, and, you know, just general happiness. So now I, I know James was saying that there's, you know, a hundred thousand you know, of these, these systems out there and, 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 you know, Josh just gave us an example of this pharmaceutical company. Um, what other types of companies are still using this system today? And uh, can you, can you talk about, you know, uh, what kind of challenges uh, that they've, that they've been experiencing that may beget the question of, you know, maybe you need to, maybe you need to do something different with your system. So a majority of these systems are in use by small, medium business uh, customers, uh, typically that are, you know, 20 plus years of operation or more. Um, And the most important thing that you can think about with any piece of technology is how well is it being maintained? Where does it live and what and what conditions it's under? So if you've got one of these beasts sitting under your desk in your 20 year old office, maybe you may have been working fine. But it has been getting clean power. You're not really sure how the network is, you know, whether the network is dodgy or not. Um, and what what kind of risks does it pose to have this system um, in like your office, like water damage, fire damage, risk of smoke, so on and so forth. Um, those are the concerns you need to have regarding these systems. Sure. In the 80s, you could still smoke in the office, right? Oh, <laughs> apparently. <I'm> just, uh, <laughs> they used to be able to do that, Josh. Used to be able to. <laughs> we still smoke in the office, actually. <laughs> One of the perks. <laughs> not at our Work office. For everyone listening, not at our office. <laughs> that, that's not true, actually. <laughs> 
Um, so one of the things that we're seeing, and this is the challenge and why most organizations haven't moved these systems to the cloud, is because I said earlier, they can't be virtualized. They have to exist on the hardware that you've got for them. And they don't like being away from the servers that connect to them. So while a lot of organizations have begun moving their Windows systems or VMware environments, all the other things up to the cloud, the organizations that are tied into this AS400 uh, infrastructure have been afraid to do it because they haven't had a place where they could actually put that big piece of metal um, in order to allow everything to connect to it. That's the challenge, is that finding a, a way to move your services to the cloud to keep them protected from fire, smoke, water damage, power issues, network issues, so on and so forth. Um, organizations have a lot of trouble figuring out how they're going to do that. Right. Sure. And now, what if somebody did want to, you know, the, the, they, 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 one of the things that has been mentioned before is support, right? You, you guys said that before, and supporting these, these things requires somebody who is pretty uh, uh, specialized in that. Is that fair to say? Oh, absolutely. Right. So, uh, and support's kind of a big issue these days, right? So I, I guess that's, that's one of the advantages to having, you know, some, some cloud solutions in place, right? Um, so if we wanted to, if somebody did actually want to migrate their stuff out of, you know, this big metal space and into a, uh, you know, a, 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 well, you said you can't really virtualize it, but into a cloud-based uh, uh, environment, what does what does that process look like? So it's not a simple process, but it is one that is it's safe and secure. So all you need is you need to have the right people in the right place with the right plan at the right time. Generally, what happens in these situations, and we've done a couple of these migrations, is you have to get a good idea of what their technology footprint is. Obviously, you know, you've got this big metal solution, this AS400, this I-series machine, but then you have to do a solid assessment of what are the other systems that are depending on it. So there's things like a web server, a reporting server, a you know data entry system, all these other parts, and you need to figure out how they all interconnect, and then you can draw up a plan to get them picked up and moved. Now, what that move looks like could be any number of things. Um, and I've actually done a couple of these uh, mock-ups in a blog post that I did um, for Steadfast uh, like last year, which kind of describe on a piece of paper and using diagrams how this goes. It's really hard to simply talk about this. You need to be able to visualize it to really understand it. For sure. But long story short, it's pick up the pick up the server, the main server by itself, get it into the data center, figure out how you're going to handle all the systems that can be virtualized or moved. So your, your Windows systems, your Linux boxes, your VMware, anything like that can be picked up and, and put into a, a managed service solution. So long as your managed service provider can connect all those, those components together. Yeah. And you're, you're totally, you totally hit the nail on the head. If you, uh, if you go to visit that blog, um, there, there's some really nice uh, images up there that, you know, for one who doesn't know, that's helpful to see, right? So, um, hey, so Ed, somebody, I have a quick question for Ed. Is there are there a lot of resources available? So, if somebody does want to migrate, they want a higher security, they want to protect this AS four hundred, they want to keep it in a place where you know a tornado is not going to take it out or anything else. Is it easy to find somebody to help them with that, or is, is there a short lot on uh, support for this type of transaction? 
this isn't a space where a lot of organizations work, um, mainly because it involves components that are really hard to manage, which are like the, the IBMs, the 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 I-series, the S400s and things like that. Um, and that requires precision work. So there are some organizations that do do it. Steadfast is one of them. Um, or you can work with IBM support directly. They are really the only organization in the world that allows virtualization of AS400 and they'll pick your data up and put it in the IBM cloud, um, which most organizations um, don't want to go with mainly because of cost. Like it's, it, it's a very, very robust solution, but it's also very expensive. Sure. And most organizations don't want to take that on. Yeah. So there are a couple of organizations that do this, which can, you know, keep the equipment under your own control in a data center. Um, but it's not, not every mom and pop IT shop can do it. So, um, if somebody's you know really looking at their IT infrastructure right now, they're they're really you know assessing things. What kind of advice can you give? Um, maybe from you know a top level here, you know somebody who's who's in a, a, a decision maker position here. What kind of advice can you give them when assessing what direction they should maybe be taking their their um, their structure? from, you know, their big metal components and, and all the other stuff that we've talked about here today. Well, Ed, I mean, you always talk all the time about this uh, being the biggest asset a company can own, correct? I mean, we, we've, we've had this conversation multiple times, and yet they're still housing this piece of equipment in a data center, as you mentioned, behind an unlocked door, right? Which does not seem very safe. So that's not every organization, but I've, I've the worst case scenario I've ever seen in one of these situations was the server was in somebody's mom's basement. It wasn't even behind a door, but it had a tarp on top of it. So it was being protected from water damage by a big blue tarp, uh, which is incidentally also blocking the fan. So causing the system to overheat. Oh yeah. Uh, that can't in, be healthy for anything. In the floodplain of a river. That is the oh. worst case scenario I've ever seen. Wow. Right. Most organizations aren't that bad, but you know, it's a, a tier four data center with, you know, triple redundant power and cooling. It was not. Right. right. I, I heard one from our tech and he suggested that these systems were so reliable, someone he knew built a wall in front of it and forgot the system even existed for multiple years while it just ran and they discovered it later. So that's, that was, that's, uh, again, that was, what was an Al Capone's vault or anything. Yeah. That's what Geraldo found in Al Capone's vault was an AS400 <laughs> device behind it. <laughs> Man, could you imagine the crime he could do? If he if he if he'd had a, you know a good system operator, like just the, the automated process, making sure everybody gets paid on time, making sure the hush money moves, keeping track of all the liquor for inventory control, be amazing. So I mean, you know, you guys talk about broken this legs well. database. <laughs> oh, I didn't even think about the racketeering money. That's amazing. Hey, I got a pop up on my phone here that says I got to go break Jimmy's legs. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, Rich, I mean, Ed and, and, and Josh bring up a good point. I mean, once again, you know, there, there are these things deployed in some very well called sketchy places, um, you know, and we can talk all day about, uh, once again, you know, trying to move stuff into a data center, but it's more than just building the reliability and the structure around it. I mean, I know, uh, Ed, I'm going to tee you up just again, one more time, um, you know, in terms of, you know, distance uh, support for those systems, if you're not in a centralized data center, um, what is that? What are some of the considerations people really need to think about on that front? So a majority of organizations using these systems are not 
directly downtown Chicago. Um, they're they're out in the, they're out in the suburbs, exurbs, or even out you know in the, the hugely rural areas. So when they've had technical problems, even though they have service contracts on their equipment, they still have to wait a long time for a technician to show up. Um, it could be four hour drive from the from the largest service center. Um, four hours of downtime on your business for your most critical operations is a really bad thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So one of the reasons, one of the number one drivers of moving this into a data center space is because then, excuse me, when you move into a tier four data center or a tier three data center is that it's in a high, uh, it's an environment with good power, clean power, the proper temperature, the proper humidity, and so on and so forth. But also, and this is really important, in a large enough data center, most likely your service contract employees are based out of there or can access that place in 10 minutes. So instead of waiting four hours for a technician to come out and begin diagnosing a problem, they could be on site and working on it within minutes. And that can make a huge difference on how your business operates. Sure, sure. Great. Great considerations for everything on that. Uh, so I, 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 does anybody have any um, any other final thoughts on uh, on big metal before we uh, before we sign off for today? All right. Oh, okay. Good. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> We've other than protect yourself, uh, you know, no. trying to get that back up and, yeah, and make yeah, sure that no, you're. That's great. That's great. You're just so you know, we, you know, we heard recently. I'll just I'll just kind of give a final thought. And we heard recently, like I said, that this this community this of uh, of, of these users are pretty tight knit. I mean, um, it's it's kind of an exclusive group. Um, you know, and and once again, you know, there's a lot of vendors out there that say they can do different things. Um, you know. In terms of anyone looking to to make this migration, you know, uh, once again, Ed, I'll, I'll bring this you into this conversation. You know, there's a lot of different things that people should be considering when they're looking to tee this up. Um, what would be the number one piece of advice you would give someone, Ed, uh, if they're looking at a vendor or they're looking to make this 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 move? Uh, find somebody with experience, which is relatively rare. Um, work work within your community, your user group community. As you said, these these users are not unfamiliar with each other, um, especially be considering they most of the organizations that run these systems are the kind of like the old school businesses that were based on um, a lot of customer service and, and human relations. So you're going to know some, but you're going to know a couple people that have the same thing. Um, keep your mind open. Make sure you ask a lot of questions, um, but protect that system. If you're if you're running this system, you're going to be dependent on it, and if it fails to work, you are going to not be able to operate your business. So, do the best you can to figure out what a risk level is you're most comfortable with when it comes to uptime and availability and reliability, um, and 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 maximize that spend in the best way possible. Sometimes that's just making sure your on-premise is good. Sometimes it means move the entire infrastructure to the cloud. Um, it really depends on your organization and your comfort level. Very good. Thanks. So, uh, Colleen or Tim, uh, can you, uh, if somebody wants to learn more about um, about Big Metal and about uh, um, all the services that uh, Steadfast has uh, to offer in the, with that regard, um, how can somebody get in contact with you? 
As always, we tell people to go visit our website at steadfast.net uh, and get in touch with any of us. We're, we're pretty approachable. We're pretty easy to get a hold of. Um, I recommend that uh, everyone take a, a moment to look at our steadfast blogs. As Ed mentioned, he wrote an article about this uh, some time back. And it's a very um, detailed and well-written uh, article. So sure, great way absolutely. to kind of get refreshed on that. And uh, other than that, like I said, any questions that come up, feel free to ask us. We, we'd love to get on a call and have a conversation just like this with pretty much anybody. So we're here for you. We're here to help. We're ultimately here to help you focus on your own strengths so you can do what you do best. Right on. Sales forms go to me directly. So if you want to say hi to the youth. Address oh it. my God. Address it to Josh right get it. away. <laughs> this is going to be an ongoing thing with Josh. You get a discount. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it's, it's kind of funny rich on, on the last note you know this is almost like i i talk about this all the time with legacy devices with these we just talked about moving into a cloud environment there's sort of a parallel as well between staffing and maintenance over these devices in as as, mm. as we're seeing in the marketplace as well because we have a lot of people who have been with these as400s for decades who might be moving on in their career or deciding they don't want to take care of this anymore and they're handing it down actually to um younger individuals like Josh here who like to make the older, you know, uh, IT staff feel bad about their age and shame them into other things. But <laughs> I'm just, I'm joking with you, Josh. Um, but you know, Sorry, the ambition. I don't mean to respect your elders, everyone. <laughs> They're great people. Uh, they know it. a lot more than me. I ask uh, them questions every day. I don't know how to do anything compared to them. For, and for the information faucet for Josh just dried up. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> for everyone listening, we we all uh, we all get along great. I promise you. Uh, Google real youngster. Friendly. But but it is it is something you know it, it, interesting in terms of you know uh, a younger generation taking over maintenance of these devices and things and how they would like to push into new technologies as well. So it's an interesting parallel. I decided to make note of it. Very good. Cool. Well, everyone, until the next time. Take care, and we'll see you on our next podcast. Thanks, Rich. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. If you have any topics that you would like the Steadfast team to discuss in future episodes, you may email your suggestions to ask at steadfast.net. If you want to learn more about Steadfast and the services they offer, please visit www.steadfast.net for more information. Thanks for listening.